Well, before we read the passage and get into the message, I just want to give you a brief update of what's happening with Project Cane Fire. Um, I don't know that uh, you all know, but uh, about a year and a half ago, I retired from Friends Ministry, and so I've been um, enjoying that and, and adjusting, but uh, still quite active in a variety of different things. I really don't know when I had time to work. Um, yeah, it's a good life. So um, the Lord's got me busy in um, doing some home repair projects and um, doing, uh, I'm in four small groups, uh, really believe in small group ministry, and so I've kind of um, committed to development of that. Um, and um, yeah, life is full. So Project Canefire, there is another trip. We haven't been for two years. There's another trip being planned for next January, end of January, 1st of February. It'll be a two-week trip again. There's a, uh, a team, kind of a scout team, that will be going in April, I think, just two or three people to meet with our contacts there, set things up, get it, get it all rolling again. Um, Thank you for your fundraising efforts. We sent out a letter, and um, yeah, we received enough uh, money uh, from that so that we could send money to the DR while we are not there. Uh, there are three pastors and a woman named Magdalena who really is kind of the organizer of all of the, the projects that we do there. Um, and so... While we were gone, we said to Juan, who is um, somebody who helps us drill wells and, and, uh, and whatnot, we asked him if he felt confident that he could put in four new wells without us. And he said, yeah, I could do that. So those are already done. We sent the money. Uh, the four new wells are already working, and we may do another four. I'm not sure what's, what's going to happen next with that. Um, there are over 110 working wells there now, <clears throat> and uh, that really brings a lot of, um, yeah, health uh, and vitality to a community. We're, um, we also do home repairs and church repairs and things like that, building projects while we're there. And the three pastors, now for the last four or five years, we, we send them money, like $3,000 a piece, and then they find volunteers to do those projects. Um, so lots of work gets done while we're not there, and that's wonderful. That's how it should be. The sewing machine ministry continues. There'll be 12 new machines going again. Um, and the uh, micro-enterprise program is still going for farming and, and little shops and all of that where people are um, taking micro-loans in order to support their family. Uh, and the uh, scholarship program is, is in effect and going crazy. There's for $1,000, you can send somebody to college for a year, and that is a life changer. So uh, every year we're trying to add 12, and then, you know, you've got a variety of people who are graduating out and new people who are coming in. I don't know exactly how many are in there right now, maybe 24. Um, but, um, yeah, that's what's happening with the Project Cane Fire. It's alive and well, uh, even though it has been delayed just a little bit. All right. So, God led me to preach from Proverbs today. I've never preached from Proverbs 3 before, so here we go. We're going to read the first 17 verses of Proverbs 3. 
My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. The book of Proverbs it's known as wisdom literature, and wisdom literature from the Old Testament includes Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It is different from the law and the prophet and the Psalms. While the priests and the prophets of the Old Testament wrote more about the religious side of life, the wisdom writers wrote more about the practical and the philosophical side of life. The book of Proverbs was written by Solomon and others who were known to be wise. They were known for their wisdom. They wrote in these short, pithy little verses that were easy to remember and repeat to others. The subject matter dealt with oh, discerning blessings and temptations of everyday life. Things like joy and productivity and generosity and prosperity faithfulness, and then things on the other side as well, like fear and worry, pride, greed, lust, and rebellion. The Proverbs are not promises. They're godly guidelines that help us determine right from wrong and provide us with a direction in decision-making. So in chapter 3 of Proverbs, what we just read, we see the themes of love and trust and honor discipline, and this high value of wisdom. We live in the most information-rich time in the history of our world. Unless we're living off the grid somewhere in the wilderness, we receive a plethora of information and misinformation. The Internet, phone communication systems, media outlets... They're offering us a steady stream of news and entertainment and opinions right at our fingertips. You don't have to go very far to be informed. Some of this is true information and some of it is misinformation. So 
when you and I are determining some direction that we're going to take or some decision that we're going to make, where do we get our reliable information? The world seems to be suffering from a lack of godly values these days, so how do we sort through the good and bad to arrive at wisdom instead of folly? We need wisdom. We need discernment and godly understanding. It is an ever-present need. We need a way to hear the voice of God and to move forward in his peace. Not to get stuck, but to keep moving. We need some time in prayer and scripture to lean in to God's wisdom and his love. You know, the book of Philippians tells us that whenever we present our request to God in prayer, his grace, his transcendent peace, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That's reliable information. The book of James tells us that God is just waiting to pour out his wisdom on anybody who would ask for for it without finding fault. He's generous with his wisdom, and he calls us to receive it with single-minded trust. A belief that does not leave room for doubt. In Matthew, we see a command and an invitation to ask and seek and knock in prayer. God says, bring it to me and I will pour out good gifts upon you. That's reliable information. In our passage today, Solomon tells us that wisdom is more precious than silver Gold and rubies. In a poetic way, Solomon personifies wisdom here as a woman in verses 13 through 17, saying, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths lead to peace. In the language of an investment manager, we're encouraged to invest in wisdom. Because she's going to return earthly and eternal rewards that we can't get anyplace else. In fact, the voice of wisdom is so valuable, so essential to our well-being that nothing else we desire can compare with her. You think about all the other things that people desire. Nothing that we desire can compare with her. Who wouldn't want what wisdom has to offer? And yet in order to find wisdom... In order to gain understanding, we have to trust her voice more than our own. We have to lean in to her advice more than all the other voices and the feelings that are calling our names and filling our time. In verses 5 through 7, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. In in this second selection of Proverbs, wisdom is telling us to self-examine. 
She wants us to look into our own hearts to see where we are leaning for understanding. Are we leaning on God or on ourselves? Do we trust the Lord with all of our heart or are we wise in our own eyes? This picture of leaning in cannot be overstated here. The point is that we are always leaning into someone or something for information and knowledge and understanding and decision-making. We're always leaning in somewhere. So who, you, who are you and I going to trust to make our path straight? If we put our trust in God instead of ourselves, we're going to receive his blessing and a straight path. We're going to find direction for decision-making that we are looking for. Then in verse 3, wisdom tells us to be the poster child for love and faithfulness. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. The imagery here of wearing love around our necks for all to see is a statement to the world that this is who we are. This is what we really value. The imagery of our hearts being tablets engraved with faithfulness makes us a bold billboard for all the world to read. Our love and our faithfulness is seen by the way we respond not only to those who love us back, but also to those who would mock us and hate us and curse us and mistreat us. Instead of treating people as they treat us, we will treat them as we want to be treated. <clears throat> yeah. Love and faithfulness worn around your neck. In verse 11, wisdom loves us enough to provide us with discipline and correction. My children do not despise the Lord's discipline, do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. This is perhaps the least popular kind of blessing that we want. It contains the idea of restraint. Who likes being sent to time out? Who likes being benched in a game for a penalty? Who likes to hear someone say, you're the problem? None of us like it. And yet we need it. We need restraint. Um, you probably heard the King James Version of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. <clears throat> now I want you to listen to the NIV version of that same verse, that same proverb. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Both of these versions are saying the same thing in different words, but the NIV captures this idea of God's word as a restraining filter to keep us on track with him. Without God's revelation, without God's word and spirit, we tend to cast off restraint. And then we just make our own rules. See any of that going on in our world today? Let's just cast off the restraint and make it whatever we want it to be. I don't like your rules, God. I don't like restraint, God. I'll make my own. 
without discipline, we're just going to lean on our own understanding and separate ourselves from God's peace, from his wisdom. The voice of wisdom here implores us, implores us to thank God for his correction and to embrace it with a blessing. <clears throat> then in verses 9 and 10, we get counsel on how we should see our wealth here on earth. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Wisdom is telling us to honor God with our first fruits and our barns and our barrels will be overflowing with blessing. This is really about accepting that all of that belongs to the Lord. And when we put him first in everything, including our money, we tend to avoid the clutches of pride and greed and lust and rebellion. These are not promises that everybody's going to get rich and that we're all going to make the right decisions, but they certainly help us to understand God's will for us. So this idea of leaning in, to lean on something, is to trust that it's going to hold you up. You may have had an experience before where you leaned on a flimsy wall that didn't hold you up or sat on a chair that crunched underneath you and you found yourself on the floor. I've had that experience. To lean into God is to trust that he will uphold you no matter what. Do we really understand how valuable we are to the God who made us? How much he loves us? Author and pastor Peter Cesaro does a good job of describing what God sees when he looks at us. He uh, wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and in it he says, God has shaped and crafted us internally with a unique personality, thoughts, dreams, temperament, feelings, talents, gifts, and desires. He has planted true seeds of self inside of us. True seeds of self, his image inside of us. They make up the authentic us. We are deeply loved. We are a treasure. The Proverbs that we read today are reminding us that when the winds of doubt and fear and confusion start to blow through our lives, we have a choice to make. We can choose to lean on our own understanding or we can lean on God for his peace and understanding. I have to confess that leaning on my own understanding has not worked out so well for me in my life in the past. But when I trust in God's ability and reliability, I can move forward. Move forward in confidence knowing that God's going to direct and redirect, right? Sometimes if I'm making a step, I get a sense of not that way, that way. A redirect. But I got to be moving in order to get redirected. I can't just sit. Yeah. You know, I was in a small group Bible study last week. We were talking about world affairs, 
how can we love, how can we pray for people dealing with major issues like a war in Ukraine and a million and a half people leaving the country and things like divisions in the church, right? Not just the CRC, but all the denominations. Things like hostility in politics. How, how do we help? What do we do? How do you get involved? These are big picture prayers of joining God in his work at home and around the world and Sometimes it just seems so overwhelming that we don't know what to do. One of the women in our small group quoted 2 Chronicles 20, 12. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I don't know if you know this story in the context from Chronicles here. King Jehoshaphat of Judah prayed to the Lord for deliverance from a combined armies of Moab and Ammon. He prayed his prayer boldly in the temple of Jerusalem for all to hear. This combined army was so big that it looked impossible to win, right? To have victory over that, that they were going to get wiped out. Judah was going to get wiped out. So <clears throat> King Jehoshaphat is praying to the Lord. He's praying publicly. And <clears throat> in response, the Spirit of God came upon a man in the assembly that day. <clears throat> a man who was in the, the church, just like this, right? That man stood up and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. As the people of Judah leaned into God, they marched to the battle. They went to the battle site singing praises, and there they found all of their enemies wiped out by God before they even arrived. The prayer was answered. So what do we do when we don't know what to do? When we start to feel afraid or discouraged, we seek the Lord. We ask him for wisdom, and we trust him for it. We go to our wisdom closet. We put on love and faithfulness to engage the world around us. We ask God to reveal our own hearts to us to show us, what are we missing, Lord? We gather up God's resources and we honor God with our stewardship. We keep moving forward in trust, remembering that the battle belongs to the Lord. So whatever it is that you and I are facing right now, it is not too big for God. God sees us. He knows when we're hurt and angry, bewildered, afraid, or stuck. That's not too big for him. He knows when we're frustrated and confused and we don't know what to do. He knows everything that we're thinking and we're feeling and facing every minute of every day. And yet, he says... Tell me about it. Come to me. 
talk to me every day, several times a day. Set aside a few minutes and just talk to me. Tell me what's going on. Make me a part of your everyday life. I will offer wisdom. I'll offer understanding. In our moment of honest prayer, something wonderful happens in our hearts. We find out how much God loves us. And we gain the power for living again. The point is that when our circumstances seem impossible, we are in a perfect place to trust God with the outcome. He loves the impossible. It's what he does. The Ukrainians are currently facing a Russian army that seems impossible. And much of the world is praying. Many are getting involved. People are even volunteering to join their army from other countries. So we are lifting them up and asking God and trusting God to intervene on Ukraine's behalf. You and I might not be facing a military battle in our lives right now, but we have our struggles and concerns, amen? Those struggles and concerns might be an illness or mourning the loss of a loved one. They might be financial concerns or a habit that we can't seem to break. They might be a broken relationship that needs mending. Whatever it is, it's not too big for God. Our enemies might come in the form of emotional, physical, or moral attack. They might be mental, social, or political. But we hold this, that all of them are based in spiritual warfare being fought on a spiritual plane. Our battles are not really against flesh and blood. They're against the rulers and the powers and the authorities of this dark world. In the very midst of the battle, we can stand firm in the power of God, knowing that he will, in fact, already has overcome the evil one. So, in summary, nothing that we desire can compare with the godly wisdom that God just wants to pour out on us. Are we going to be tight-fisted or open-handed? That's our choice. How much blessing of wisdom and understanding do we want? In God's wisdom, we become open to trust and love and faithfulness. We say thank you for restraint. And we are stewards of his resources. Living in the wisdom of the Proverbs is about giving God our first attention. Everybody wants our first attention. Our pastor at the Lake City CRC says to us sometimes, now, first thing, when you get up in the morning, before your phone, before television, before your tablet, before anything, go to God. Give him your first attention.
You know, we know, don't we, that we're going to get bombarded by the world's messaging and marketing, but that doesn't have to alarm us. We've been given the wisdom of God to straighten out what's twisted. We know that Satan has a heavy hand on this world, and we also know that he's already been defeated by the resurrection of Christ. When we are feeling overwhelmed by circumstances that seem impossible, we cry out with King Jehoshaphat. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, Lord. Give us wisdom. Pray with me. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your spirit of calmness and peace as we navigate this world. Thank you for the way that you pursue us and bless us with wisdom and understanding. And thank you for your everlasting love. Amen. Song of response, leaning on the everlasting arms.